Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Good Friday morning. Devastating new tornadoes ripped through the south. Yeah, an entire town torn apart. Help is rushing in. It is June the 16th. This is today. Breaking news. Direct hit. Perryton, Texas, decimated this morning. At least three people killed, dozens hurt, still others feared trapped in the debris. A frantic search and rescue operation now underway. We will take you there live. Plus, Al is tracking the threat of more severe weather and the impact on your weekend. Breaking overnight, heading home. Pope Francis released from the hospital more than a week after undergoing emergency surgery. New details on his condition and his road to recovery. Mystery in Mexico. Two Americans found dead in their room at an upscale resort. An investigation underway as family members speak out. It's just devastating. Could carbon monoxide poisoning be to blame? We'll have the very latest. Those stories plus long haul inside the longest nonstop commercial flight ever. Nearly 20 hours in the air. This morning, what it is revealing to help you cope with jet lag on your flights. And hitting the beach. Beer and barbecue. Let's do that on the edge. Don't forget the bourbon. It's our favorite Father's Day tradition. The dads of today meeting up for a big feast and a little dad talk. I think the art of fatherhood is trying to slow down the hands of time. As we celebrate dads everywhere, today, Friday, June 16th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Welcome to today. It's a Friday morning. So happy you're joining us. Savannah has the morning off. I look forward to seeing you and Al and the gang have a nice little Father's Day uh, get together. We'll get to that in just a second. But let's get right to our top story. That widespread devastation after a tornado tore through the Texas panhandle town of Perryton. Residents there given just a four minute warning before it ripped through. And you can see there. Just some of the damage it left behind, a trailer park in the area taking a direct hit, streets littered with debris. The death toll in Perryton is expected to rise. Dozens are hurt, including several people in critical condition. Yeah, the storm is part of a massive system. It's causing damage across a large part of our country overnight, and it is still on the move. So in a moment, we're going to talk to the fire chief in Perryton. And Al, of course, will have his full forecast on what we can expect. And joining us now is the Perryton fire chief, Paul Dutcher. Chief Dutcher, it's good to see you this morning. Thank you for taking a, a moment from your busy morning. I know that you are on a search and rescue mission. Will you tell us where things stand at this hour? Uh, yes, currently, uh, of all of the homes that we have searched, all of the occupants uh, are accounted for except for one. Uh, and so our main priority this morning is going to be going back 
over that uh, area and researching it uh, and then following the debris field and, and seeing if we are able to find uh, that one person that's uh, still unaccounted for. Chief, we, we can see some of the destruction behind you there uh, downtown. Can, can you describe for us the extent of the damage um, in and around town that you and your teams are seeing there? Uh, yeah, this uh, one building is, is just uh, uh, absolutely just one of the many. Uh, downtown area uh, has uh, many of the storefronts uh, totally uh, wiped off, uh, building uh, collapsed or partially collapsed. The path of the storm, there are uh, a lot of conventional uh Construction homes that uh, are completely destroyed. The uh, trailer park that the uh, tornado first uh, hit. Uh, there's probably 25 to 30 of those homes that are uh, completely destroyed as well. And then the, the path across town. Uh, there's probably going to be 150 homes is, is my rough guess is 150 to 200 homes that are going to be destroyed. Small community, uh, Chief, uh, you know, 8,000 people. And we can talk about the destruction of buildings, but I can only imagine what it must feel like to be a resident, someone who lives there and loves this community. Uh, tell me how people there are coping. Well, you know, uh, you know, you you just keep hearing people say, you know, we'll rebuild, it'll, it'll we'll be back, and and you know, the small community, uh, we we will, and and that's the uh, hope and that we have, and you know, our our biggest regret right now, you know, is the loss of life. We do have three confirmed uh, fatalities, uh, and so so that's our our biggest concern, and help trying to help those families uh, carry on. And, 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 you know, it, it, it is such a, a tragedy. Uh, all of the stuff that behind me, you know, it can all be rebuilt. Uh, but, but those uh, lives that we've lost is really the, the tragedy of everything. Well, Fire Chief Paul Dutcher, know that there is a whole country of people who are with you holding hands. So we wish you all the very best. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, Hoda. Dealing with a lot down there. Uh, Al, can you give us some more on these tornadoes and also where they may be headed? Yeah, and and uh, guys, and, and good morning to you folks. Uh, the flooding, the extreme heavy rain that's going on in western uh, western uh, Florida is a big problem. There is still a flash flood emergency in western, uh, just western Pensacola. They could pick up another six inches or more. They've already had a foot of rain. But as you can see, these storms are training across. We have severe thunderstorm watches, severe thunderstorm warnings stretching from Texas, all the way into Florida. So we're going to be watching what happens here during the day. Severe storms along the Gulf. A mid-Atlantic threat will be developing in the afternoon. So folks traveling along the I-95 corridor have to be careful. We're talking about damaging hail one inch in diameter or more. Wind gust of 60 miles per hour. Tornadoes possible. We move on into tomorrow. Again, we've got a risk from Childress, Oklahoma City, Joplin, Wichita. Afternoon storms develop along the front range. Here's what we're also looking for. Also back down through Pensacola, Western Florida. More one-inch hail in diameter or more. Damaging winds, tornadoes possible. And we move into Sunday. The threat now from the Ozarks all the way to the Central Gulf. Damaging wind gusts, the main storm hazard. However, we can't rule out a tornado or two. 
And we've got that heat. Records stretching from New Orleans, Dallas, Presidio, down to Brownsville. And right on into the weekend, we are talking about triple digits. These are air temperatures, not just the heat indexes, but air temperatures that will be in triple digits from Alexandria down to Laredo and up to San Angelo. Guys, I will come back to you in just a few minutes. Uh, Meanwhile, breaking overnight, an encouraging update on the health of Pope Francis, the pontiff released from the hospital just over a week after he underwent abdominal surgery. NBC's Kelly Cobiea joins us with some more details now. So, Kelly, first of all, how is the pope doing? Craig, good morning. Yeah, he's said to be doing well. In fact, his doctor says he's better than before that surgery. Pope Francis now back at the Vatican this morning after waving to well-wishers and medical staff outside the hospital earlier today. He was smiling, appeared in good spirits. When asked how he was, he said, I'm still alive. (laughs) The Pope took a moment to pray at the Basilica of St. Mary Major and Hospitals Chapel before heading back to the Vatican. The pontiff, who is 86, underwent abdominal surgery last Wednesday to repair a hernia. His medical team says he recovered successfully, his hospitalization initially sparking concerns over his health. The pontiff was admitted earlier this year for a lung infection, and two years ago he had part of his colon removed. The Vatican says the Pope spent most of his time in the hospital resting and recovering, but he did find time yesterday to visit the children's cancer ward, seen in these pictures, thanking the children for their letters, drawings, and messages of support. Craig? It's it's good to hear that the Pope is is certainly on the mend. Does that mean, Kelly, that that he is fully cleared to, to get back to work? Yeah, so the Vatican says the Pope is already back at work and plans to recite his noon prayer on Sunday in St. Peter's Square, also resume private audiences. He'll only be skipping next Wednesday's general audience to safeguard his recovery. His surgeon also says he's well enough to travel or should be uh, by this summer and that he will be a stronger Pope after this surgery. Craig Hoda. Good news all around. Kelly Cobier for us. Kelly, thank you. We are learning more this morning that several U.S. government agencies have been hacked. Officials say it was part of a broader cyber attack that hit dozens of companies and organizations in recent weeks. Cybersecurity experts say they're still investigating the scope of the attacks. They do say the hackers exploited a vulnerability in a program. It's called Move It. It's a popular tool for transferring files quickly. It's not immediately clear whether the stolen files were sensitive or hackers just disrupted some government systems. Turning now to Ukraine and our inside look at the major counteroffensive that's now underway to try and drive Russian forces out. Ukraine's president opening up in an exclusive interview with NBC's Richard Engel, who joins us now from Kiev with more of that conversation. Richard, good morning. Good morning from Kiev. And there were more long-range Russian attacks on this city just today. We heard the air raid sirens. We heard the air defense systems roar into action as we have more from our exclusive interview with President Zelensky. Ukraine is in a full-scale fight to take back Russian-occupied land. Hi, Richard. A pivotal moment for our interview with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the presidential compound in Kyiv. This must be a very critical time for you. Critical and very busy. For over a year, Ukraine has been fighting successfully to defend itself. Now it's on the offensive to break through Russian front lines. It's proving to be a challenge. And Zelensky says if Ukraine prevails, they'll win the war. 
We are now in the early days of this long-anticipated counteroffensive. How's it going? I cannot give you all the details. There are both defensive and offensive actions. Things look not bad. I would say it's generally positive, but it's difficult. Our heroic people, our troops, who are now at the front of the front line, are facing very tough resistance. And you understand why. Because for Russia to lose this campaign to Ukraine, I would say, actually means losing the war. President Zelensky also had a dire warning. He blamed Russia for blowing up a dam, which Russia denies, flooding dozens of villages. And he tells us the next Russian target is the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. With U.S. elections looming, President Zelensky said he's well aware some Republican candidates, including former President Trump and Governor DeSantis, are expressing doubts about American support for Ukraine. Yes, we are concerned about this. Yes, I believe it is a great risk for Ukraine. We are not worried about a new person in power, but a change in the policy of the United States. That's what we don't want, and I believe it won't happen. Defense officials from NATO countries are meeting in Brussels today to discuss possible membership for Ukraine. It is something that Russia deeply opposes. President Zelensky says that Ukraine must have a clear path to membership with security guarantees. Craig. Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, there with the exclusive. Richard, thank you. We've got a lot more to get to, including a parade nearly half a century in the making. The Denver Nuggets and hundreds of thousands of fans were celebrating the team's first ever NBA championship. And while the event was festive, it was also marred by several unfortunate incidents, including a shooting. NBC Steve Patterson joins us now with more. Hey, Steve. Hey, Oda, good morning. Police are still searching for a suspect involved in that shooting. And remember, this is the second shooting in less than a week following a Nuggets celebration. The police chief says he takes this very seriously. And based on how many active cameras were in the area, he believes they'll make an arrest rather quickly. It was supposed to be a big victory party in downtown Denver, a parade for the Nuggets, capping their historic first ever NBA Finals win. Hundreds of thousands of fans packing the streets to catch a glimpse of their favorite players. But shortly after the celebration started to wind down, gunshots rang out. Police say the suspect, an unidentified male, started firing, wounding two people who are both in serious condition. Denver's police chief saying all involved likely knew each other. We believe that this was a targeted incident. Authorities say the shooter is still at large, but with multiple security cameras in the area, they're confident he'll be captured. On Monday, just hours after the Nuggets beat the Miami Heat to win the title, 10 people were injured after gunfire broke out. Police characterizing that mass shooting as a drug deal gone wrong. A mile-high week of celebration marred by senseless acts of violence. Here we are again having to talk about someone endangering the lives 
uh, people who came to celebrate. Meanwhile, in a separate incident during the victory parade, a veteran Denver police officer was badly injured after a fire truck accidentally rolled over his leg. Authorities say the decorated SWAT sergeant was trying to protect parade goers. I mean, it was it was horrible. It was it was a sad sight. Also on the parade route, Denver Fox affiliate KDVR capturing this video, showing NBA superstar Nikola Jokic's wife, Natalia, getting hit in the face by a beer can. The couple had been riding on the team's float, and she was holding their one-year-old daughter at the time. But despite the incident involving his wife, the two-time league MVP, known as the Joker, sticking around to celebrate with fans. We're all going to remember this uh, our whole lives. This one is for you. We love you, Denver. This one is for you. Thank you, guys. There is no word yet on how badly Jokic's wife was hurt by that beer can, but we're told by the Denver Police Department that the officer was pretty seriously injured and could even lose his leg. Hodo. All right. All right. Steve Patterson for us there in L.A. Steve, thank you. Mr. Roker. We're looking at some afternoon storms here in the northeast, mid-Atlantic states, as we've been talking severe storms down through the Gulf. Heavy rain back through the plains and the, the front range, fire risk through the southwest, sunshine out west with temperatures warming up a bit in the Pacific northwest. And that's your latest weather. Got All right. I'll so. thank you. Uh, travelers on high alert this morning after an American couple is found dead at an upscale resort in Mexico. Miguel Almaguer is following that investigation. Hey, Miguel. Hoda, good morning. Family members say those Americans were likely killed from carbon monoxide poisoning. Coming up, details on what happened and how to protect yourself. Also, could you handle a flight that lasted nearly 20 hours? Tom Costello took part in the longest nonstop commercial flight ever, testing the limits of what's possible for planes, pilots, and passengers in this morning. The results are in with a lesson on jet lag that everyone needs to know about. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Back now, 7.30. Check out our beautiful Friday morning crowd on the Plaza Packed House. We're going to head outside in just a bit. Okay, do you know what fits perfectly on a summer day like this? What? Hoda ice cream, girl. Yes, ice cream. But with so many ox- uh, options, Miss Chanel Jones, yes. which one do you choose? Vanilla dipped in chocolate. Oh. oh from, the, from the ice cream truck? Mm. Cracks when you bite that chocolate. <laughs> All right, we're going to, of course, of course, we're going to kick something off to help uh, you decide on Popstart. It's our first ever... Ice cream oh. truck bracket. Anything for Carson. <laughs> Just all when right. we thought we'd done all we could with that. No, there's, there's, there's always more. All right, morning. let's get right. to our news this half hour. Some concerning news out of Mexico. Yes, authorities there now investigating the deaths of two Americans found in their hotel room 
at a luxury resort near Cabo San Lucas. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer is following this story for us. It's a developing story. Miguel, what do we know? Hey, guys, good morning. The State Department says they're closely monitoring the investigation, though police say the suspected cause of death is likely gas poisoning. And the family of one of those victims is now speaking out. They say this was a senseless tragedy that could have been prevented. It's the latest accident of its kind that has some travelers on high alert. This morning, this upscale resort just outside Cabo San Lucas is now the site of an investigation into the deaths of an American couple. It's just devastating. Family members say 28-year-old Abby Lutz and her boyfriend, 41-year-old John Heathcote, were vacationing together at the resort. Authorities saying two Americans were found unresponsive inside their room by hotel staff at the Rancho Pescadera Hotel, where rooms can cost up to $1,000 a night. Over the weekend, Lutz's family says the couple started feeling ill after they arrived and headed to the hospital to seek treatment. He got really sick and they thought it was food poisoning. They spent the night with IVs, getting IVs and things, and then they felt better. They went back to the hotel and spent the day at the pool. When they went to bed, I guess they didn't wake up. On a GoFundMe page, Lutz's family writes, We have been told it was due to improper venting of the resort and could be carbon monoxide poisoning. They just thought it was food poisoning. They had no idea. None of us thought about that, you know, because you can't smell carbon monoxide. In a statement, the hotel, owned by the Hyatt, says in part, out of an abundance of caution and respect for the families and all those affected, we are refraining from speculation about the cause, adding there is no threat to guest safety or well-being at this time. Sadly, deaths like these are far too common. In October, three Americans appeared to have died from carbon monoxide poisoning in an upscale Airbnb in Mexico City. And last May, Three U.S. tourists were found dead at a Sandals resort in the Bahamas, also killed by carbon monoxide poisoning. A tragedy in paradise for a young couple and the families they left behind. We love her, her family, all friends. We we'll miss her so much. It's just so sad, uh, Miguel. I, Miguel, what, what are some things, some precautions that people can take to try and avoid some of these potential issues? Well, Craig, doctors we talked to say you can pick up a battery-operated CO2 monitor just like this. They're fairly cheap. You can keep it with you when you travel to alert you to the presence of carbon monoxide. They say just take out the batteries when you're flying, put them back in when you get to your destination, and keep it near you whenever you're sleeping. Craig, that's a great tip. Uh, Miguel, thank you. Thanks, Miguel. All right. Still ahead, the remarkable inside story behind the meteoric rise of Wham!, Carson will have our first look at the highly anticipated new documentary, taking us way back to the 80s. But first, Tom Costello took part in a historic flight that could change the airline industry. And Tom, we're now learning more about it. It was a 19 and a half hour nonstop flight to Sydney to see whether all of us could handle such a long flight. The research results are in. We're going to have you with we're going to have all of that for you when we come back on today. Coming up on 739 with In-Depth Today. This morning, a question as the summer travel season heats up. How long would you be willing to fly nonstop? 
Eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. How about 19 and a half hours? How about, how about that? How about no? <laughs> uh, but you may recall a few years back, our own Tom Costello, he flew on a research flight to Sydney, Australia, and now the research is in. And the mm. research was on whether passengers and crews can really handle such an extreme trip. Let's get right to it. Tom joins us now from JFK Airport here in New York. Tom, good morning. And what's the verdict? Bottom line here is Qantas says the research suggests that, in fact, a 20-hour flight nonstop is doable, and it's now investing heavily to do exactly that, start those flights in 2025. You know, right now, going nonstop from New York to Singapore is the longest flight in the world, 18 hours, 45 minutes. This would be pushing 19 and a half hours. And I think the research shows jet lag doesn't have to be quite so miserable. If you're like most people, the thought of spending even a minute longer on a plane may seem unappealing. At Qantas Airlines, they're testing the limits of what's possible. It was 2019 before the pandemic. We joined a Qantas research flight with just a handful of passengers on a 19-plus hour flight to Down Under. Takeoff time, 9.27 p.m. out of New York, 12.27 p.m. tomorrow in Sydney. On board, researchers monitored the four pilots who wore brain scan and light exposure meters. What's your biggest concern? Just making sure that the pilots and the crew on board the aircraft uh, are getting enough rest, getting enough nutrition, and doing all the right things that are going to maintain their health and well-being on board such a long flight. Could they manage the jet lag? That is the enemy that I face every time I fly. I just get really, really groggy and lazy and I don't want to do anything. The key, reset our body clocks. Right away, the plane was on Sydney time. That meant lunchtime. A low-carb, spicy meal with lights on bright to keep us awake. Then exercise, the Macarena at 2 a.m. to keep the blood moving. We are tricking our bodies. At the moment, because we're flying west, we are delaying our sleep. Not easy. 3.30 in the morning, East Coast time, which means I've now been awake for 22 hours and I really would love to go to sleep. The pilots, meanwhile, rotated through sleep shifts in their private quarters. We need to extend the duty times of pilots from 20 hours to 22 hours, maybe to 24 hours. Uh, I'm not sure. It's definitely longer, Um, so feeling a little more tired, um, but... We'll see how it goes. Finally, we were allowed to sleep in total darkness. Blue screens discouraged. When we awoke, researchers tested passenger alertness. I feel better, um, but time will tell this afternoon. Then, 19 hours and 16 minutes later, you'll get a magnificent view of the Opera House. Touchdown in Sydney. Fast forward to today, and the University of Sydney's research results are in. If you optimize the times when you're exposed to light, when you eat, when you exercise, it will help synchronize the body clocks and reduce jet lag. The food, lights and exercise did lead to better quality of sleep in flight, less severe jet lag and better cognitive performance two days after the flight. So Qantas has ordered 12 new Airbus planes specially designed with fewer seats, more room, and that all-important Macarena exercise area. In first class, many hotel suites. It's a big bet to connect down under with up here. Project Sunrise, its whole intent is to make Australia that bit closer to the rest of the world. Mm, That makes sense. So, Tom, if you're on a shorter flight, though, and you want to avoid jet lag, what steps can you take? 
Water, water, water. I got to tell you, you know, I fly to Europe often for family and for work, uh, and I've tried everything over the last many decades. No carbonated drinks, no alcohol. Uh, I drink a lot of water. I take a sleep aid, melatonin or Zequil or something like that when I first board. That lets me sleep for about four to five hours or so. Wear comfortable clothes, you guys know that. You don't want to be wearing a suit. I've made that mistake. And try to get up and move. You don't want to have any blood clots. If you sit too long, then that can be a risk. So the bottom line is this, you know, you don't go on board as if it's a party. You want to try to Keep cool and uh, and hydrate. Um, I I love so much about that story, but I especially love Tom watching you do the macarena. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, you can't know that is one of those beautiful things. Let's hear Tom. Let's let's, see, let's all do it together. How's it go? I forgot. Oh, you remember? I'm not sure I've got it down, but <laughs> I forgot. I know Chanel always knows. She know, remembers. So what happens if you want to take a nap and everybody's doing the macarena? No, you got to follow. You got to <laughs> follow. Hey, yeah. Tom, real quick, do, do coach seats go flat so you can sleep? No, they don't. And so, listen, the new Qantas planes they're ordering will give you a lot more room and coach than typical, but it's still coach, right? Yeah. And that's a long way to go. So that's why they have the exercise area yep. for you to get up and move and stretch and do the Macarena. All right, cool. All right, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Work. Tom. Yeah. Tom's got moves. Yeah. Tom my does my thing now. is I, I like to wear I wear compression socks, and I set my watch to wherever I'm going. Uh, is that what you do? Try to follow that time, yeah, and it smart. works for you. You seem to have energy when you land on these on these well, big you just kind of get going. You got to <laughs> He's it's all about a mindset. Few, yeah, you do. He still wears a suit sometimes. Yeah. No, no, I don't wear a suit, but I wear a jacket. Yeah. I always wear a jacket. You know, you're Al Roker. Extra pockets, you know? Uh-huh. I like the pockets. Okay. okay. Hey, so we're in hurricane season 2023, and take a look right now. Already we've got this disturbance coming off the African coast, and it's got a 40% chance of development in this area. It could be forming next week. Now, these dots represent June tropical formation points since 1851. There have been three tropical cyclones in this area, most as you can see in the Gulf or along the southeastern Atlantic. However, what gives us concern for this system, the warm temperatures, average temperature right now, 82.4, the water temperature. This is the warmest June temperatures ever recorded. This is more like September, so we've got to watch out for that. The smoke situation in ozone, 11 million people at risk for ozone and Canadian wildfire smoke, unhealthy for sensitive groups. You can see for today, that plume of smoke starting to dissipate finally. Hopefully, this gives us a break into the weekend. And that's your latest weather. By Guys, way, are these not two of the best dressed men saying, oh, on television? Like right? I'm, I'm like really into you two today. Wow. Happy Easter early Father's, Father's Day. Day. <laughs> that's right. There you go. From, direct from the Johnny Carson collection. Thank <laughs> you. Well, this was a Father's Day gift from Dell. Dell yeah. picked it up. It is nice. beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. And it feels right. nice, too. Yeah. Ooh. Hi. Uh, Harry Smith joining the creators of South Park for an inside look at their newest project, the Touching reason they decided to breathe new life into a beloved Denver institution that's seen better days. Coming up on Popstar, you know our bracket division of sure. Popstar. Yeah, we're loving uh, it. Very busy. Yes. We haven't done one in a while. They've been huh? prepping this one. When the ice cream truck pulls up to your neighborhood, oh. who is king of the ice cream truck? Oh. What is the t- the tastiest treat? We'll break it down. All Let's right. Go. Plus, one of our favorite traditions, y'all. Al, Craig, Carson, and Willie got together ahead of Father's Day. Some barbecue and a real heart-to-heart about that. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.